Hello, and welcome to the Brain Mastery Podcast, brought to you by ABI Wellness. This series features renowned experts on brain injury, brain health, and rehabilitation. Be sure to visit abiwellness.com for more resources. Welcome back to the Brain Mastery Podcast. Uh, very, very excited today to have an episode on you know community engagement, uh, stakeholder involvement, and actually um, living the kind of change that we want to see through our, our social impact work. Uh, today, I have I'm very very excited uh, to have uh, Kix Ketone. I hope I got that right. Uh, uh, join us. Um, uh, Kix is the executive director of the Nanaimo uh, Brain Injury Society has been involved in, in this kind of uh, work in social impact and community stakeholder engagement and involvement uh, for most of her career. And we're just so incredibly excited and privileged um, to have her with us today. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Kix. Thanks so much, Mark. It's wonderful to be here and I really appreciate the opportunity to have a chat this morning. This morning. Oh, it's, it's great. And I, I, I think the people that that listen to this, I, I think, are, are going to be uh, very interested in, in some of your, your thoughts around, you know, stakeholder um, engagement and, and really, you know, one of the things that sticks out to me is how, um, how much impact just, just one action can have um, from, from a wide range of stakeholders. And I look forward to digging into that a little bit with you because that's something that really uh, stuck out to me uh, in in our various conversations. Um, so, you know, for those that are listening today, and, and these might be professionals who work in the, the, the brain health space, they, they might be social workers, they might be family members of somebody that, that may have had a brain injury. Coming from your perspective, you know, what is the main message that you'd want for people to hear around kind of the ecosystem of brain health? You know, what, what's kind of a main take-home message from all your experience that you want for people to have? Mm -hmm. um, great question. And to me, health and brain health is uh, a whole person approach and a whole person perspective. So whatever we can do to create health in other aspects for in our life will be healthy for our brain. Um, so one thing that uh, really sticks out for me with brain injury survivors and families is the sense of isolation and, uh, and the sense of separation, especially, you know, after one has a brain injury and, and the, the struggle with, with identity and awareness and um, who am I now? So when I look at the, the landscape of brain health, I come from uh, a healthy communities, public health approach and look at how can we create healthy relationships, uh, a healthy sense of, of well-being within the person. And that's going to be good for brain health, right? You can't separate your brain out from all the rest of your life. So whatever we can do to create quality of life, uh, what makes a good life for you 
um, makes a good life for your your brain, right? We can't we can't separate these things out. So um, when we can create opportunities for people to feel connected, to feel a sense of contribution, to feel a sense of uh, well-being in themselves, um, that to me is kind of a, a, a gift that we can offer uh, brain injury survivors and families and, and in turn is good for our whole community. You know, that whole idea is like when the tide rises, all tide comes in, all boats rise. So when we create healthier communities for brain injury survivors and community, we're creating healthy communities for all. Mm -hmm. That's my approach. I love that. Uh, that's a very, very good approach. And I totally agree with you. And I think most of the people that are that are listening uh, would. And maybe something just to follow up on that, because I know you're it really speaks to your um, community-based, you know, public approach. What's an example of an initiative that you've been involved with that really helped to, to create that within the community? Yeah, so we, um, pre-COVID, we were really um, committed to creating opportunities for the community to come together in symposiums to talk about different aspects of brain injury and, and the intersection between brain injury and other aspects of health. So in 2018, we brought together um, 140 community members, which included researchers, clinicians, people with lived experience, students, academics, uh, the, the public to talk about Acquired brain injury, mental health, and substance use, mm. and uh, and we had um, indigenous uh, leaders there, and elders, and people who were able to speak to uh, the the person within the context of their community, within the context of their life, and from there, the recommendations that came from uh, that symposium went into a report, which then we presented to our local health authority, Island Health here on the island, um, which went to the mental health, um, mental health and substance quality council um, that then spun off, spun off to uh, a national research project with the Canadian Agency for Drugs, Technology and Health. So community input, community recommendations have then informed a national research project looking at what is a wise practice or best practice to look at the integration of these pieces because we can't, again, we're looking at the whole person within the context of the community, brain injury, mental health and substance use dance together often. So uh, from that, that research, that national research project, then we are now able to present to, um, we presented provincially, uh, coming back to, okay, so here's what the research project said about uh, what communities, what stakeholders across Canada are doing to address brain injury, mental health and substance use. That is now going to inform uh, provincial um, strategies and initiatives. And um, so that all comes back down to community mm -hmm. and community the voice of community informed that, uh, those actions. Right. And, 
and now we're going, we're able to go back to community and say, okay, so here's where it went out. Now we're coming back in. How do people want to be involved in, in moving these things forward? So um, yeah, it's, it's that idea of never doubt the power of, of a, a small group of people um, to have big influence. Um, I so love that's, that. that's just one spin-off of, of what we do, which is um, promote collaboration and partnership um, and really try to uh, locate people with lived experience and families at the center of what we're doing. Um, because Love it. No, that's yeah. so great. I mean, really listen to that because, you know, that's something that has always struck me about you and your work is you're, you're a deep thinker, but you are, you are a doer. And, 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 and that's something that I really encourage people that are listening that are out there you know, wanting to think, okay, how do I actually um, make some of the change that I want to see happen? Well, listen to what Dick said. It starts with one step, right? Like you, you've got to get out there and you've got to do. And, uh, and that's something I really admire. And that's such a wonderful example of how, how to make that change happen and how it can start with one step. And then, oh my goodness, you realize other people want to step right beside you and 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 with you and 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 that's so that's so nice to see and i'm you know the the residents in in your region are are fortunate to have a leader like you helping to bring some of these initiatives to community um now that's you know such a great um message what what is an area though in the world of brain health that you'd like to see change and improve you know what's what's one one piece that's kind of frustrating for you Boy, <laughs> where do I start with that one? Um, I'll tell you a, a personal story. Mm. Um, so my mom, and you know this already, my mom had mm. a stroke last September. And uh, I, and it's horrible. I mean, brain injuries is uh, so hard on on everyone and then you add covid on top of it so mom has a stroke she gets whisk, whisked off to the hospital we can't see her in the hospital she's isolated in the hospital um we're trying to connect with her and and uh she had a she had a tia she had a, a blockage mm. in her brain and and so she was able to come home uh, within five days i pick up mom from the hospital, from the doors, right? Can't go in. And I am given no information about stroke, nothing. Here I am taking my mom home and they're saying, well, the, the stroke clinic will, will give you a call in, in two weeks. No information about the mental and emotional state of my mom. Mm -hmm no support for, for community resources. No, you know, in the next two weeks, things might, if you need a hand, mm. here's who you can call, nothing. And I was just like the, you know, and, and 
the difficulty bringing someone home with a brain injury and not only coping and, and dealing with that whole change, like the physicality of that change and what do we do now, but the mental and emotional effects, the fact that my mom was crying all the time and my father was beside himself not knowing what to do. We take people and drop them off a cliff with brain injury once, we, once they leave the hospital. I, I talk about this, we're not talking about gaps in service, we're talking about chasms, massive chasms that even people with resources, mm -hmm. like my parents who have mm -hmm. somebody who lives and breathes brain injury all the time. Yeah. Even folks with brain in, with resources are faced with such such a, a lack of support. And so I think of uh, all of our people who have trauma piled on top of trauma, which is often the case with brain injury. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and they're left to bend for themselves in a system that is disjointed that is that operates in silos that you know one part of the system doesn't speak to the other part of the system and so trying to find information or connect with who's who in the zoo is incredibly difficult if you are then piling uh another source of trauma like homelessness we know that 50 percent of the yeah. Over 50% of the homeless population has a brain injury prior to becoming homeless. Um, or 75% of that population with the brain injuries prior to becoming homeless. Mm -hmm. We know that mental health and substance use, um, like I said, dance together. Once you have a brain injury, uh, the chances of having mental health challenges goes up by 400%. Substance use uh, goes up by 200%. Like, a brain injury is such a, it's before and after the equation, right? It's like it's the opioid crisis. I know I'm jumping all over the place. No, it's great. This is it's why great. I'm like, take a breath here. It's great. No, it's great. I think um, what's frustrating for me is there, there is really uh, people with really good hearts that are coming to the table. And I know you know this, like really good hearts coming to the table. And unfortunately, they're working with, if not one, both hands tied behind their back because of this, these, these systems that are in place that um, keep us separated and, and, and are not, not able to talk to each other. And I don't know why, like it kind of boggles my mind, mm -hmm. you know, when there's competition for funding and we all feel that scarcity and we're not, you know, well, if they get the money, then we're not gonna get the money. And, you know, like, right. it's, it's so challenging because we're over, 
like I have conversations with people and they're like, oh my gosh, like we're being overwhelmed, you know, in the brain injury side of things, we're being overwhelmed with now like mental health and substance use. And mm. We don't know how to work with that. And then mental health and substance use folks are like, oh my gosh, like, you know, we, we recognize brain injury, but we don't have like the resources or, or how to deal with this. And, and we're still requiring people, you know, who access support systems to be sober, you know, mm -hmm. and, and when there's all these kind of complications or how, you know, like we're, we're requiring right. people to, to live up the, to these certain um, requirements in order to access housing. And yet, how are they supposed to do that when they don't necessarily have the cognitive functioning uh, to actually be able to follow through and, and do that kind of problem solving or executive functioning or regulate their emotions? Right. It becomes, right. it becomes a judgment on the person rather than an understanding of the function. And then how that person then gets slotted into a certain um path or or so so if i, I could ask you know yes and so I, I'm all I appreciate rain so me in here mark your your perspective no 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 it's wonderful um I, as we think about that yes there are you know many challenges um even for those that may have the resourcing uh one would think to be able to get the kind of supports that they might need. And, and this is where you, you know, welcome to our conversations, everyone. <laughs> you know, how do we, how do we, you know, improve the system to be able to, to, to help more of those people that are looking to get the help, right? You know, they, they, their intention is set. They, they may not be, uh, you know, perfectly ready to start up whatever it might be, but they're, they've set the intention to try. And again, that's back to what we were saying earlier, that's the first step, right? And um, as you think about, you know, if you had that crystal ball, if you, if you were able to set the future in the way that you wanted it to be, you know, what would that look like if, if Kix has the opportunity to shape it the way that she wants to in the world of brain health, what does that look like for you? You know, what, what would it look like to your vision for the future? Yeah, like here, here I come back to these healthy communities. How do, how do we create um, relationships that are based on seeing our differences as strengths rather than problems to be solved? So how do we connect with, uh, with each other um, from a place of, of, shared humanity and interconnection and uh, understanding that we are one human mm. family. So when it comes to um, how do we how do we support folks with brain injuries, um, you know there's a radical we had a radical conversation uh, pre-COVID about coming from a place of love. How would our health policies and practices look if we came from a place of love? And I will tell you, Mark, that I had the chief medical officer from Island Health. I had um, 
and in a leader of a, an indigenous treatment center. I had families, I had re researchers talking about love. And that to me is my ideal. Love, I mean, let's just, yeah, right there, because really, you know, one of my mentors is someone I respect a ton in, 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 in my professional life and life is Howard Eaton. And, you know, him and I have, we often talk about this. You can only really, when you, when you boil it all down, it, you know, it, it's going to be coming from actions are going to be coming from only two places, you know, love or fear. Right. And, you know, yes. Can I, can we have some level of compassion that people might have fear about trying to treat this population? Okay, sure. But, I agree with you, you know, uh, I think that is such a great vision for the future is let's treat each stakeholder with love. Let's do that. And then look at what's happened. What, what happens when we change it to that? Because, you know, I, I do believe that you will be, you will want to treat people the way that you were treated. I, I've always believed that to be true. And you know, I've seen that time and time again in education, in my personal life and and there's so many examples around the world that if if we could even just get it one percent more in that direction i think over time we'll see remarkable changes mm -hmm. um thank you for that because i it's something i see through your work you're not this is someone who's not just saying this that, that this is how she works and um i think it's a great you know segue into you know if people are out there right now you know they may be on the island, but they may be in other parts of North America or the world. And, you know, they want to learn more about you and your work and your vision, and they want to support you. Uh, how, how do people get in touch with you uh, if, they, if they want to learn more about your work? Yeah, so we're, uh, our website is www.nbis.ca. So that's Nanaimo Brain Injury Society, nbis.ca. Mm -hmm. Um, I would love to, I mean, I could talk about this stuff all day. And I think building relationships is the key to our success in, in shifting, shifting the needle, moving the needle, um, and, and pointing our, 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 our boat towards love. And yeah. uh, so people can email me directly. It's ED as an executive director, ED at nbis.ca um, or they can call my direct line 250-753-5600 extension six like I am open <laughs> to having all these conversations and I think uh, these these conversations are really important um, because you know I don't remember where who said it but change moves at the speed of trust mm. and in order Steven to have Covey. trust Stephen Covey, there you go. Yeah. Habits of successful people. Yeah. Something yeah. Like that. So, yeah. but it's really true. Like when you when you dial down, when I trust you, and something comes up that we need to pivot and move, we're gonna move as fast as as we can. But that foundation of trust is gonna make us more nimble it's like okay mark i know you got this i know you're coming from the same yeah. place as me we may have different approaches yeah but but i trust you i know i know you and so those relationships um and and friendship basically mm -hmm. is a shortcut to trust so, yeah 
uh, I'm happy to have these conversations with folks. And that's wonderful. And, and, and yeah, and open to learning, you know, like I, I don't want to uh, reinvent the wheel, like we've got limited resources. So if uh, someone's doing something great over there, I'm all about like, oh my God, you're fantastic. Let's do that. I'm all about also um, getting on other people's bandwagons and championing other folks. Um, I love the work that you're doing in terms of like yeah. that integrated approach. And I really believe that. How can we how can we make this accessible to as many people as possible and actually work on the neuroplasticity? Like yeah. we've been hearing this. Let's yeah. let's give this a shot because you know, other stuff hasn't helped, you know, hasn't moved us as far as, as we want to go. So, um, I, well, think and I think that, I think if I could just one piece that I really liked about what you said was that, you know, everybody's a, um, everybody's a work in progress, right? Everybody's, you know, no one's really going to be perfect. And, and we're all, we're all a project working to, to get a little bit better or maybe, at times, not even knowing where to start in order to, to work towards getting a little bit better. Maybe we've been beaten down so far, we don't even, we've lost that belief in ourselves. And, you know, it takes me back to, you know, I've been fortunate enough to, to work with some pretty remarkable people. And this is something that I think you're, you're, you and your organization do very well is that, you know, the, I, I'm reminded of a story that uh, a friend of mine told uh, at a conference and she cites it in her book, Dr. Vanessa Lapointe, and she talks a lot about uh, attachment parenting and that kind of stuff. And, you know, I remember that the story she told was, you know, they're, you're on an airplane and, 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 and you look over and you see a, a young mom and a, and a baby, you know, and, and you hit turbulence, right? And it's, and, and, and you kind of, you look over and the poor young mom is, is really worried for her baby and, and her. And, 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 and the, the person on the other side of the aisle is thinking in their mind, oh my God, surely this is terrible. But then says, you know what? Looks over, looks her in the eye and says, we got this, you're okay. We're going to be just fine. And because you focus your intention on that, and actually you've rode the plane a few times, you're going to be fine. And, and it's that belief that, that then says to the mom or is a trigger for the mom to say, you know what, maybe we are going to be fine. And you know what, this too will pass and we'll be fine. And, and it's, it's that kind of belief that when you have a system behind what you're doing and people behind what you're doing, when you meet that person in a place where they can't get up alone yet. But when you extend the hand and say, hey, come in for a coffee, we got this. Then you start to believe. And after that warm cup of coffee and being surrounded by a group of people that think the way that you would like to be able to think, it can start to rewire the way one thinks about oneself. And, and I think that's such a wonderful thing that, that your organization does and, and so many that I'm fortunate to be surrounded with uh, do every day. And then ultimately that choice is up to the individual. And that's the beauty of it, is they can choose to not take the hand and, and not today, not yet, as Carol Dweck says, <laughs> not yet, it's not that never, it's just not yet time. Uh, it's still the choice there of that individual. And that's something, again, it's always struck me in your work and it just reminded me of that story of Vanessa that, uh, that she tells so well, way better than I do. Um, but, you know, I think it's so true 
because uh, sometimes you can get so lost that you don't even realize, um, you know, your own thinking. Yeah, I, I love what you said about that. It's like, and, and my favorite part of that story is we got this. Mm -hmm. We got this. Yeah. I'm here with you. My, my nervous system, if I have more capacity at this point to self-regulate, I'm going to be here with, with my nervous system, helping your nervous system self-regulate and we can co-regulate here in this space together mm -hmm. that is that relationship is so important to both sides oh and that's i mean that's something i want to do in another one of these with you because you know oftentimes and it's true people people will say wow look at the work that that kicks and her team are doing and they're helping so many people Right. And and they're just such wonderful servants in the community helping those in need. However, the other side to it, we should do a separate one on this, is it can sometimes feel a little bit selfish being able to do this kind of work that's rooted in love and service, because that's also a remarkable gift for the person that has the opportunity to be involved with that work as well. Mark, it's a privilege to serve community. Yeah. That's, that's truly, and I don't mean to say that from a sense of martyrdom or, or yeah. whatever, but it's, it's uh, in order to, to be here um, through whatever good graces by no, by no fault or good deeds of my own in some sense, I'm able to, to be here and to, to be doing uh, this kind of work. We're lucky and, you are, I'll tell you I that feel, much. I feel incredibly fortunate. I feel like I won the lottery uh, because, you know, I, I, it, it, feels like, it feels like luck because I was born into this situation in this body and at this time and somebody else was born into a different situation in a different uh, body or whatever it's like how come I get to be here mm -hmm. and somebody else gets to be there I don't know the answer to that but I feel incredibly fortunate and privileged to be able to have these conversations to be able to have the the space to speak in this way Mm -hmm. And uh, and I know a lot of other folks who are who are in this space doing incredible work as well, and uh, so I feel privileged as well to be in the orbit of folks like yourself who are uh, really you know committed to to service and committed to love and committed to generosity and not. You know, none of us are doing this perfectly. We're all humans kind of having our own experiences, but what a privilege to be able to stand here and be learning and growing and fumbling together. Yeah. Like well, and to be able to create a network, right? That's what's been really, quite honestly, so much fun about launching this podcast was I was like, 
find, finding myself, you know, talking with family, talking with friends saying, oh my God, you should hear, you know, what, uh, what Greg's doing down in Virginia. It's so cool. Like he's just doing such cool work. Uh, you know, you should hear, you know, um, what Josh is doing. You should hear what kicks is, you know, to be able to share some of the great things that, that different professionals are doing in this space so that hopefully we can get that cross learning going. It's, it's very, very exciting for me. And, and it's just been a, a wonderful journey to get started on. So, um, you know, thank you, thank you. Don't forget to check back for a new Brain Mastery segment every week. Here's a sneak peek of our next thought-provoking interview. I think brain injury overall is really an invisible issue still. And people don't understand truly the, the real scope of how this impacts individuals who experience brain injury, their families, and society as a whole. So I, I would love to see a world where people really take a brain injury-informed approach and a trauma-informed approach when providing healthcare and other supports to any demographic, really, but of course, in our case, particularly to women who may have experienced intimate partner violence, because there's so much stigma still attached to that and so many nuances and complexities to the issue and to the challenges that women face that mm -hmm. it's really critical that those who are providing those services, no matter how much they know about brain injury, for example, that they also learn about trauma and how to deal with women who've experienced trauma, experienced trauma. Thank you so much for listening to the Brain Mastery Podcast brought to you by ABI Wellness. Be sure to follow us on social media channels at ABI Wellness. The statements made regarding the Bears platform and ABI Wellness have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. The efficacy of the Bears platform has not been confirmed by FDA-approved research. The Bears platform is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. All information presented here is not meant as a substitute for or alternative to information from healthcare practitioners. Please consult your healthcare professional about potential interactions or other possible complications before using any product. The Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act requires this notice.